Now it's time to dig into God's Word. If you've got a Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. We have been studying Jesus' farewell sermons to his disciples uh, the night before he was betrayed. Okay, this is often called the farewell discourse. We're calling it a glorious farewell. And tonight we're talking about abiding in community. So in the first part of his sermons, Jesus talked a lot about his going, his going to the Father and then the Holy Spirit coming down to us. And now in the beginning of chapter 15, he has shifted from talking about his going to our abiding. So last week we talked about abiding in Christ and we learned that abiding with Christ means living with him, that he wants to move in. He wants us to move in and live with him just as the Holy Spirit has moved in and lived with us. And we talked about how abiding brings love and joy and peace and fruit for his mission. And I said, how do we abide in him? We abide by his means of grace, which are the word of God prayer and the Holy Spirit. And the last one is we abide in him through community. And I wanted to take uh, a whole week just to talk about this concept of abiding in community because Jesus really expands on it and elaborates on it here in John 15 verses 12 through 17. Um, So I'm going to read the text. Before I read the text, if you're a a young listener out there, uh, then let me give you three things to look for, okay? A story about a dog rescue Sorry about a dog rescue. Um, the ultimate example of loving one another. And a question, how can you love someone in the church? So a story about a dog rescue. The ultimate example of loving one another. And how can you love someone in the church? Those are the three things you're going to listen for. Okay, Adults, you just have to listen to the outline. Okay, We don't give you questions. You're on your own. Okay, All right. Uh, Let me read verse. This is God's word here from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in the Father's, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is God's word. A few years ago, I heard a podcast called From From tree to shining tree, from tree to shining tree. It was on a radio lab on NPR. And on there, there was a lady who is a uh, ecology professor from British Columbia. Her name was Susan uh, Simard. And Susan told the story of how she, as a young girl, had her eyes open to the world of roots, tree roots, that is. And she said it like this. She said that her family had a house in the forest, And one day they were out there and they had a family gathering. And while they're at this family gathering, their family dog, Jigs, got lost. And so they looked all over for Jigs. They were yelling his name. They were searching high and low for him. When eventually they heard Jigs barking from the outhouse. Kids, if you don't know what an outhouse is, ask your parents after the worship service. So they went to the outhouse and Jigs had fallen in the hole in the outhouse. 
Well, of course, they had to rescue jigs. And the only way they could rescue jigs was to take this column that was built into the ground and dig out around the column so that it was a pit. Well, eventually they dug the pit out enough and they were able to rescue jigs from the pit and clean him and save him. They must have really loved that dog a lot, right? Um, but while she was, they were in the process of digging out this column into a pit, her eyes were open to the, the world of roots. All of these roots were exposed in the dirt. And that led her to, to go on and get a PhD and become a specialist in trees and roots. And what her research did was uncover that trees in a forest, their root systems all share similar nutrients. See, scientists used to think that, that roots were disconnected, or that trees were disconnected, and different types of trees couldn't survive together. But what her research has shown is know that all the roots of the trees in the forest are all sharing the nutrients in the soil together so that they can survive. And when I heard that story, I thought, what an amazing illustration of the gospel. When we look at Christian community, what we often think of is all of these individual trees existing in a forest together. That's what we see on the surface. But underneath that surface is a vast root system that is Christ that nourishes all of us so that we bear fruit for the kingdom. So tonight, as we look at this passage, what I want you to see is that we live intimate fruitful lives for Jesus in community, that we abide with him, we live with him in community. And it's as we live in this community and we abide together and love one another that we can bear fruit. Without abiding in him together in this community, we can't bear fruit. But because the Holy Spirit has knit us together in Christ, we can love one another as Christ has loved us And we can bear fruit for the kingdom. And we can experience the love and the joy and the peace that Christ has for us. So we're going to look at three things this evening. We're going to look at the necessity of abiding in community, the example of abiding in community, and the fruit of abiding in community. First, let's look at the necessity of abiding in community. In John 15.10, Jesus said, If we keep his commandments, then we will abide in him, and experience his love and the fullness of God's joy. So that commandments there is kind of general. But then when we come into 1512, which we just read, Jesus gives a very specific command, right? For all of you who need more details and more specificity, Jesus gives it. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, if that sounds familiar, that's because Jesus gave his disciples the same command in John 13, Remember in the upper room when Jesus washed his disciples' feet and he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, right? So here Jesus reiterates that command in the context of abiding. He's saying that abiding is not something we can do alone. We can't abide in Christ alone. We abide in community, Right? And remember last week you talked about how abiding is similar to aboding, right? Aboding means making your home with somebody. Jesus wants to make our home with him in community. 
And he gave us this metaphor last week for abiding. He said that he is the vine, the father is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. Now he's saying that we're not these solitary branches all disconnected from one each other. We're interconnected to this vine. But we, we don't really use, uh, we're not really used to vines in our culture, are we? we? We're more of a tree culture, okay? So think about it this way. Jesus is the root. He's the, the root of the matter. He's the source of all life for the tree. And he's saying that we're the branches on the tree and we, we grow and we produce the leaves and we produce the fruit on the tree. Now, I like what one commentator said. He said, what is the trunk? What's the trunk of the tree? Now, Jesus doesn't say it here, but by implication, the trunk of the tree is the church. The trunk of the tree is the body of believers who are connected by the Holy Spirit to the root system. And it's because they're connected to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the root system, that the trunk then transforms transfers the nutrients up the tree to the branches so that the branches can produce the leaves and the fruit. Right? An abiding community is the body of Christ connected to each other. And Jesus tells us this abiding, this abiding community has a mark, has a distinguishing mark about it. it you know, like, uh, I don't remember that. You guys remember doing leaf collections, Right? You remember doing leaf collections in, in science? They still do leaf collections? You guys still do leaf collections? You should. This is what I remember about leaf collections. Trees have different types of leaves. I don't remember which ones. My wife's family does, though. They're fantastic about like walking through the trail and spotting all the different trees. And, oh, that's an oak tree, and that's a maple tree. And I don't remember. But here's the mark of a Christian tree. Loving one another as Christ has loved us. Loving one another as Christ has loved us. Jesus says, and we're connected to this, uh, we're connected to him, and we're connected to this life-giving body that we love one another and we produce fruit. But we can't do it alone. And so often in our culture, we think that we live the Christian life alone, right? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is necessary, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an, ide- an ideal. He commands that we live in this community together that's marked by loving one another. Now, why would he do that? Because that's the way God created us. God created us to live in community. Whenever I was a, a campus minister, for those of you who are new, I, I was a campus minister in Stillwater for six and a half years that's why I recently took this job. I'm no longer a campus minister. But as a campus minister, one day, uh, one of my students came to my office and he said, I needed to meet. Uh, I'm depressed. I'm dejected. Uh, I just, I really got to talk to you. And I said, okay. So he came in and he sat down. And I said, hey, buddy, what, what's going on? Tell me what's wrong. He said, well, uh, last weekend, um, my friends wanted to go out and I decided that I was going to stay home because I needed to be with the Lord. I said, okay, it's great. What happened? He said, well, my friends left. They went out. Uh, I did my, my quiet time. I read and I prayed. And after I was done, I just sat there. And I got lonely. And then I felt ashamed because I was lonely. And so then I got depressed. And I just sat there in my shame and my loneliness and my depression. And he said, I just can't, I just can't figure out what's wrong with me. I just can't be alone without getting lonely. 
And I said, well, why didn't you go out with your friends? Were they partying? No. Are you guys fighting? No. I said, why didn't you go out? And he said, I just, I just wanted to test myself to see if, if I could live with just me and Jesus. I said, well, I said, now, that's, it's interesting that you'd want to live with just you and Jesus. Because in Genesis 1, God said that he created us in his image to be fruitful and multiply. So that means we, he created us to live in community. And then in Genesis 2, he looks at Adam and he said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. And he makes Eve. So it seems to me that God created you to be in community and that you felt lonely because you were by yourself. So I think it would have been perfectly biblical for you to get up and go hang out with your friends after your quiet time. And you could just see like the relief wash over him that he wasn't sinning just because he couldn't sit there and be alone by himself. This idea that, that true spirituality is just me and Jesus is not biblical. It's just not. Jesus never called. Yes, nobody else can be Jesus. And the church can't be Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy us and nourish us. But when Jesus called us to himself, he called us into a body. He called us into community. I mean, when we were born, we were born into families, right? We live this sacrificial life connected to Jesus in community. It is necessary for us to abide in community, to be fruitful people and fruitful Christians. And I know that has been challenging. The last year has made it very challenging to abide in community for all of us. Um, I know it just as much as anyone. Uh, I, I, I fully believe for one of the few times in my life, I went through a full, I went through depression from about March until July. And part of it was because I was so cut off from the body of Christ. I was so cut off from my friends and my family and, and my, my, my family, my wife and kids. We were just digging in every day, just trying to survive. And I really feel like it wasn't until I was able to go back and worship and be with the body of Christ that my depression left. And I was able to experience the joy of Christ again with his body. We need to, I know it's challenging, but we've got to continue to find safe and creative ways to abide in community as we can. Um, those with, with special needs and in the health community who are vulnerable, we've got to protect you. We've got to, we've got to take care of you. We've got to make sure that you don't get sick. We also need to make sure that you have community, that we, that we love you and that you're not left alone. And as the pandemic improves, we need to continue to figure out how to love one another. What sin wants to do is isolate us. Sin wants to keep us alone. The Holy Spirit wants to keep us connected to each other in a body where we can love each other and experience the fruit of our glorious relationship with Jesus. So the first thing we see in this passage is that, that abiding in community is a necessity. We have to have it. And so maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're skeptical and you're thinking, well, well, what about Jesus? Didn't Jesus go alone on the mountain by his father in the mornings and pray? Didn't he spend time alone with God? Isn't solitude a, a discipline of the church? Yes, it is. But Jesus also came down. He also spent a bunch of time, probably most of his time, with his disciples in community. Solitude, silence and solitude are important 
They're important because God speaks to us in those moments. But what he speaks to us in silence and solitude, he wants us to embody in the body of Christ as we go out and we love one another. And Jesus himself said when he, was a, when he was a boy, he was lost. His parents couldn't find him. And when they finally found him, he was in the temple and he said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? He wanted to be with God's people. He's, an ex- he's our great example of abiding in community. And that's the second thing that we see here is this example of abiding in community. Uh, Verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Think about all the things that Jesus laid down for his friends. He laid down being eternally present with the Father and the Holy Spirit, enraptured, in love and joy with them. He laid all those things aside to come to earth and be with us. He laid down his perfect life to endure the sin and misery of this life. He laid down his life by enduring temptation, persecution, and misunderstanding. He laid down his life by washing his disciples' feet just days before they would betray him and abandon him. He laid down his life by, live, by dying a sacrificial death on the cross for us. He's the supreme example of loving, them, of loving one another. And as we abide in Christ, then we love one another out of the overflow of the way that he loved us. We love one another because he has loved us so much. And we lay down our lives for each other the way he laid down his life for us. And it's that type of life that shows that we're a friend of Jesus. In verse 14, he said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. We show that we're friends of Jesus as we love one another. Again, we show that we're part of that tree. We show that we bear the marks of being a Christian. And he's revealed this way of life from the Father. Look at verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Think about this. The Father called the Son, God the Father called the Son to sacrifice himself for us. And the Son submitted. And Jesus says he reveals the heart of the Father. So think about this. Most of the time, I think people think about God the Father as the mean, angry, stoic, cold-hearted God of the Old Testament that only has wrath. But if Jesus reveals the Father, and Jesus reveals, and we look at Jesus and say, look at his love, look at the way he laid down his life for us, then that means the heart of the Father is a loving heart that also lays down something for us. And that means that the Holy Spirit is a loving spirit that was willing to let Jesus leave and was willing to guide Jesus in love and then even was with Jesus on the cross. The whole Trinity, Jesus reveals that the whole Trinity is a community of love laying down its life for one another and for us, right? The, the, the Trinity is not cold and stoic and static The Trinity is complex and dynamic, and it's moving out in love. And because we're created in God's image, the image of a a dynamic, loving God, that's what moves us out 
to love one another the way that Christ has loved us. And that's what, that's the example of our, of our community, right? That's the source of our community. That's the example of our community that we go out and love each other with that dynamic pulsating love the way that God has loved us. That's the heart of true friendship. True friendship is, is loving one another. And the Bible, the Bible, uh, describes true friendship by really giving it two, uh, two characteristics. Okay. Biblical friendship is both loyal and constant. There's loyalty and there's constancy. And so as Jesus, Jesus himself displays both loyalty and constancy towards his disciples. And he produces this loyalty and this constancy within us so that in this community, we're both loyal and consistent to each other. There's a great picture of this type of friendship in the Lord of the Rings. Okay, In the first book, uh, Frodo is about to leave to go on his journey with the ring. And he, he's been making plans the whole time. He's been making plans for a long time to leave everything and go. And he thinks he's been really good at keeping a secret, but he hasn't. And his friends know that he's about to leave. And they tell him, Frodo, we know what you're about to do. And Frodo says this, he says, it doesn't seem that I can trust anyone. And his friend Mary looks at him and says, it depends on what you want. You can trust us to stick through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any of your secrets closer than you keep them to yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. That's the mark of Christian community. That's the mark of true friendship. Friends that will not let you go through trouble alone. And because Jesus is at work in us through the Holy Spirit, then we move towards each other in love and we won't let each other do it alone. So we have to ask ourselves, how can we love one another right now? What does it look like? You can make a meal for someone and take it to them. You can call a friend that you haven't seen in, at worship in months because they're, they're a part of the medical community. And they've got to stay away and they've got to protect themselves from their job, for their job. You can sit with a friend while they're at the doctor's office. You can meet with a friend who's struggling in their faith and give them biblical counsel. I'll tell you, as I have, um, as part of my new duties, I'm calling people, I'm talking to them, I'm meeting with them, and it has been such a, a treasure to hear about this church and to hear the way that you guys have loved one another over the years. Uh, you know, the, I mean, one of the greatest examples is, a, you know, a young lady in our congregation was injured in a, in a climbing accident. She sustained serious injuries, and literally from the people from the congregation took her in and nursed her back to health. Like, what an amazing testimony of loving one another. That's the mark of Christ. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit is alive here. And it's, it's going to take time to rebuild that. It's going to take time to rebuild. The pandemic has, has made it hard to love one another. It's made it challenging. It's going to take time to rebuild it. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to do it because that's what Jesus wants. That's what he's doing. And so if you're here and you're waiting to experience that love and feel it again, patience. We're trying. We're going to try. We're going to, we're going to keep moving towards each other. 
Uh, somebody once gave me a great uh, formula for intimacy. We got any engineers out there? You love formulas? Here's your formula for int- intimacy, okay? Time plus communication equals intimacy. Time plus communication equals intimacy. It works with your wife. It works with your kids. It works for your church. You give it time and you communicate with one another. You are going to build intimacy. And that's what we're going to do through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's real, this real friendship is sacrificial. We're not talking about making an idol out of community. If you make, here's, the thing, here's the thing about community. It's interesting. If you make community the thing, then it becomes an idol. But if you make Jesus the thing, if you, if you worship and serve Jesus, then community and friendship becomes the fruit. Right? And that's the, the last thing that we see in this passage is the fruit of abiding in community. So we have the necessity of abiding in community the example of abiding community, and the fruit of abiding in community. Jesus says it here in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. As we abide in community with Jesus, we bear this eternal fruit. And what is that eternal fruit? Well, I like the way C.S. Lewis says it. He says that the most immortal thing you can meet is another person. That if you want to change the course of eternity, love someone else, reach out to someone else in love, and impact their lives. So as we experience the love and the joy and the peace of being intimately connected to Jesus through the body of Christ, and we extend that to other people, we impact eternity. We transform their lives. God uses that to bring eternal fruit. As we abide in community, uh, we, we bear the fruit of love for one another. Um, we bear the fruit of loving, of loving and serving one another. Uh, we had some friends in our old church who were having uh, complications in their pregnancy. And they were very scared, and they were alone, and they were afraid, and they were in the hospital. And in one weekend, 40-something people from our church visited them during that time and loved on them and cared for them during that time and then after their child came. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us to love one another. Uh, we abide, as we abide in community, we bring peace. Remember, uh, peace is, is shalom and healing and well-being. Uh, last week, I told you about a man named Kipt, uh, Kip. Uh, Kip was an alcoholic, and Kip's alcoholism was, was so terrible that for three years he lived alone by himself in a, in a bamboo patch that was filled with sewage. And, and one day he, was, uh, he needed a drink, and so he asked these people at a stoplight for a drink, and this man threw him a couple dollars, and he ran to the liquor store as fast as he could just so he could get a drink. And when he came out, he heard a voice tell him, go to A&A. So he went to A&A, which is AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And when he got there, there was all these people that, that loved on him and cared for him, even though he stank. He hadn't changed clothes or shaved in three years. And, and he was so overwhelmed by the meeting that he got up and he tried to leave. And when he tried to leave, a woman came up to him and said, no, don't leave. And she kissed him on the lips. And he was so shocked that he came back the next time. And he came back again and again and again. But he didn't change because he tried to do it on his own. And because he tried to do it on his own, he almost killed himself. 
Eventually, he realized he couldn't do it on his own, and he moved in with his sponsor, Chuck, and Chuck and his friends gave him orange juice and caro syrup until he sobered up. And after years of living with Chuck, he recovered, and he healed, and he transformed into a man who could love and serve his family. What if the church loved people like that? What if we took uh, self-righteous sinners like you and me and we brought them in and we loved them so well that they recovered from their self-righteousness and they poured themselves out to love others? What if the church loved addicts so well that they recovered here in the body of Christ? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to bring this, wants to make us into a church not that's just pretty and nice and friendly, but a church where people come in and they are healed by the power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. As we abide in community, we experience joy. Um, one of my friends told me about a time when he took his, his daughter, to, his daughter went to church camp and she took a friend, kids, church camps and, and, and church, they're a great place to be evangelistic. This little girl invited her friend to come to camp. The, the friend thought she was coming just to play sports. And when she showed up, there was all these nice people and they were so happy. And she said, I've never been around a group of people that are so happy before. And she was so overwhelmed with this happiness, she said, why are they so happy? And she learned about Jesus. And then she gave her life to Christ. We create this community. Abiding in Christ gives us joy. Abiding in Christ gives us love. Abiding in Christ gives us peace. Abiding in Christ makes us more diverse. Uh, the, the researcher that I was telling you about before, what she found, what, what loggers and foresters used to think was that because trees all grew up and they were all basically the same type in each area, they thought that you couldn't have different types of trees growing together. Well, then she went into areas where they'd been burned over and she did all this research. And what they found was that in the burned over areas, multiple different types of trees came up together. What she found that all those trees were sharing the same root system. And there was actually more diversity in the area after the burn than there was before. And I thought, what a great picture of the church. You look at a church and you see, how could all these diverse people come together? It's because they're all sharing from one source, and that's Christ. See, if we're not sharing from Christ, we're not abiding in him, then we become homogenous. And we, we only worship with people that just look like us. When we worship with Christ, because he takes everyone, then the body begins to become diverse. And we all, as we all abide together. So it's, a, it's abiding in community that produces this fruit. Um, as we live in committee, we bear, we bear this mark of sacrificial love for one another. But we, we can't do it perfectly, and we certainly can never do it by ourselves. If it was up to us, we couldn't follow our great example to love one another the way Christ has loved us. We can't do it, can we? That's why it's so important. I love how Jesus Jesus says this. It's so important to remember the first part of verse 16 here. You did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go, bear, go and bear fruit. Jesus chose us. It wasn't because we were smarter than everybody else. It wasn't because we were more passionate than everybody else. It wasn't because we were more beautiful than everybody else. It wasn't because we were morally better than everybody else. Jesus chose us because he loved us. He loved us because he loved us. And when we realize that Jesus loved us because he loved us, we realize that we have no self-righteousness. None. 
It, see, you see, it, because if Jesus chose you because you were more intelligent, because you were smarter, because you were better, because you have more passion or discipline, then you would feel self-righteous towards those people who are less intelligent, less passionate, less disciplined, less moral than you. But because we were accepted by the sheer grace and mercy of God, we have nothing to boast in. It's all of Jesus. So we're a community of people who have been loved by God's grace. We're here because of his sheer grace and his sheer mercy. And that allows us to love everybody with that same grace and mercy that Jesus has loved us with. And Jesus says, ask the Father in my name that he may give it to you. So we're going to pray that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would make us a community that abides in him, that bears his fruit, and then experiences love, joy, and peace together. Let's pray.